About three times a week, my wife and I say to each other, boy, if we'd only known the Enneagram when our kids were little. If we had, we would have parented them very, very differently. Now, they've turned out to be three magnificent, beautiful kids, right? But, but uh, if we could have known what their interior world was like, if we could have known how they predictably and habitually acted, thought, and felt as kids, um, it would have given us a great advantage, you know, um, as, especially in adolescence and afterwards. Hi, this is Liz Weaver, and you are listening to the Learning Success Podcast, an information-packed podcast with the latest news, information, and tips to help you overcome a learning difficulty. For anyone suffering from a reading difficulty, writing difficulty, a math difficulty, a focus problem, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, or ADHD, this is the place for you. The Learning Success Podcast is brought to you by LearningSuccessSystem.com. Hello, and welcome to the Learning Success Podcast, where we learn to embrace your child's brilliance and unleash their true potential. I'm Phil Weaver. I'll be your host today. And today's guest is Ian Morgan Cron. In addition to being a dad, Ian is also a psychotherapist, best-selling author, sought-after speaker, businessman, and Episcopal priest. But Ian is also regarded as one of the leading masters of the popular Enneagram personality typing system. I'm curious how many of our listeners today are familiar with the Enneagram. Much to my surprise, prior to meeting Ian, I had never heard of it, which piqued my interest even more. So rooted in ancient spirituality, the Enneagram has an uncanny accuracy in describing how human beings are wired both positively and negatively. Used as a tool to help leaders cultivate self-awareness and emotional wisdom, the Enneagram has become a resource for people across the world as they seek to better understand themselves and see the world through other people's eyes. Could you imagine discerning how and why people think, feel, and act the way they do? That's what happens when you grasp the Enneagram. We thought it would be interesting to have Ian join us today so we could learn more about the Enneagram, but also so we can equip you as parents to have better understanding of yourself and to know how your personality type can deeply impact your parenting style. And I'm excited to learn today. Welcome, Ian. Thank you, Phil. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for coming on. This, uh, this should be quite interesting here. So let's start off with... Um, Right at the top, can you just give us, uh, tell us about the Enneagram, what it is, and where it originated from? Sure. The, uh, the Enneagram is an ancient personality typing system that teaches there are nine core personality styles in the world, one of which people gravitate toward and adopt in childhood as a way to cope and navigate the world of relationships. Uh, most importantly, uh, each of those nine types has an unconscious strategy or motivation that powerfully influences how that type acts, thinks, and feels on a daily basis. Um, its roots go back thousands of years, uh, though it wasn't fully formulated thousands of years ago. Uh, it existed then in its primitive form in the 20th century. It was conflated with modern psychology. And so it's been a, a, a work in progress for a long, long time. And, uh, but one of the things that people have found is that it is uncannily accurate 
in its ability to uh, help people understand what it's like to live in other people's shoes, to understand that there uh, are many different ways of seeing and experiencing the world. Okay, great. And so you said it goes back thousands of years. Uh, where where was that? What um, what society and history? Where did it come from exactly? Well, we think it began with a Christian monk named Evagrius Ponticus in the fourth century. Okay. Uh, and he um, uh, used it in helping to disciple or to do spiritual formation with uh, young. Uh, people out in the desert, you know, of of uh, Egypt and Syria and that area of the world. Okay, and and so it's thought that he devised it. Then he he is a uh, a person who devised a very primitive uh, iteration of it. It wasn't until it's become much more evolved and complicated now uh, sure. and accurate than it was then. But those are the it, th- those are its roots or origins. Right. Was that a gradual process or something that? psychologists today picked up i think it yeah i think it was a gradual progress process you know it, it really came to public the public's eye in the 1970s when uh catholic jesuit priests began using it as a tool to help train young novices okay. for the priesthood so it really came to us first through the catholic church but has spread like wildfire in recent days Good. So you mentioned it, it's going to help understanding uh, how other people may think and act, and and uh, it's some. So first off, is it the belief is is that we are born with these personality traits, or are these developed early in childhood? Or the answer is yes. Uh, you know, um, the, right. the, the the human. First of all, let's begin here. The 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 human personality is a tremendously complex thing, right? People are uh, mysterious. Um, And really, um, we believe that the personality is formed by genetics, right? Biology. Sure. So there's some stuff that's just hardwired into us. You know, I don't know if you have kids um, like this, but, you know, some kids are just born naturally anxious. Others are, others come into the world, uh, slightly depressive, you know, Eeyore types, you know, uh, some come into the world bold and laughing and others are very challenging and strong, you know. So I- I've seen this with little kids all the time, you know, you, you see these things hardwired into them and, and the role of parents is to help kids steward the this hardwiring that they have. Now, there are other factors then that as they get older that also come into play. One is um, that um, there's cultural factors. What, what does the culture expect of them? There's familial forces that come into play, uh, forming a personality. So it's not any one thing. It's a confluence of many things that bring the human personality into its fullness. Right. But with a, a genetic, there seems to be a genetic component where... Uh, there is at least a, a large part that is at birth then. I, I, is that, is that yeah, an assumption? It, it kind of depends on what school of psychology you speak to. 
Okay. Uh, there are many of them. And actually, I would say that the most hotly contested debate in psychology is personality and its formation. I got you. Yeah. Sure. So there, there are lots of different perspectives on, uh, on, on uh, how it's formed. Right, right. Yeah, well, just about every parent you hear saying that about their child, that they just came out that way, that their personality was, I mean, you hear that phrase all the, all the time. So, um, so before we get too deep into it, what, what are the benefits um, you've talked about with, for parents of understanding better and all that, but what are the overall benefits for a parent to, to understand this material? Well, let me say this. About three times a week, my wife and I say to each other, um, boy, if we'd only known the Enneagram when our kids were little, you know, uh, it, if we had, we would have parented them very, very differently. Um, now, they've turned out to be three magnificent, beautiful kids, right? Uh-huh. But, but uh, if we could have known what their interior world was like, if we could have known how they predictably and habitually acted, thought, and felt as kids, um, it would have given us a great advantage, you know, um, as, especially in adolescence and afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, and the most important thing is for parents to know their type as they raise their own children, you know, uh, what are their strengths and pitfalls? What's the best and the worst about their personality? Because the Enneagram actually shows you that, uh, you know, that your blessing is your curse and your curse is your blessing. There's a, there's a great side to your personality. Yes. And then, then there's another side that if you're unaware of it and you're not, uh, you know, properly monitoring it, uh, will get you into a lot of trouble. Right. So that's it. That would be one of the greater benefits of being able to monitor your, your downsides better. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's go ahead and can we jump into the different types? Can you? Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you literally one sentence descriptors, but I can tell you like, for example, my, the road back to you, this book I wrote about the Enneagram, each of these gets 20 pages, and, and so I'm just giving you a thumbnail sketch of each, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the first one uh, are, are called the ones, and they're the perfectionists, also called the perfectionists. These are folks who are ethical, they're detail-oriented, they're really morally heroic people who have uh, an unconscious motivation or strategy that has to do with their desire to improve themselves, others, and the world. Now, another way to say that is perfect themselves, others, and, and the world. Twos uh, are called the helpers. They, these are warm, caring, and giving people who, whose unconscious motivation is to meet the needs of other people while at the same time not acknowledging their own personal needs. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. Third type is called the performer or the achiever. They're, these are driven, ambitious, success-oriented, image-conscious uh, people who have a need to succeed, to appear successful, and to avoid failure at all costs. 
the, the four is called the individualist. This is a, um, a slightly more complex type of person. Uh, moody, temperamental, creative, wildly creative, imaginative. Um, these are people who have a, a need to be unique and special in order to compensate for what they perceive is a missing piece or fatal flaw at the core of their person. So you see a disproportionate number of fours in the artistic community. Okay. Okay, so fives are, are, are called the investigators. Sometimes they're called the observers. They're the most analytical number on the Enneagram. They have wild powers of, anal of analysis. They're also the most emotionally detached number on the Enneagram. You know, uh, fives uh, sometimes are loners, um, and they have a need to gain uh, knowledge and information in order to fend off a world that feels like it's just asking too much from them, you know, particularly in the relational sphere, all right? Sixes uh, are called the loyalists. We believe there are more sixes in the world than any other type. Um, sixes have a need to feel safe and secure in what feels to them like an unpredictable and chaotic world. So you, you know sixes in your own life. Well, you know all nine types in, in your own life, but sixes are the ones who are worst case scenario thinkers. We, I sometimes say that sixes have pre-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, they're, they're always scanning the horizon, looking for what could go wrong and planning in advance what they're going to do when catastrophe strikes. That's one feature of the, that sixes personality. Um, sevens are called the enthusiasts. Uh, think Stephen Colbert. Um, these are the joy bombs uh, of the Enneagram. Their, their need uh, is to avoid difficult uh, and painful emotions. And the way they do that is by thinking about a future of unlimited possibilities, adventure, escapades, what new and exciting thing can I do? And that's all in service to not being in the present moment and avoiding suffering. Okay? Okay. okay. Nines, uh, or eights, I should call, say, are called the challengers. Um, okay, eights are notoriously blunt, can be domineering and confrontational. Uh, they have a need to assert strength and control over the environment and other people in order to mask weakness and vulnerability in themselves. Okay. And finally, there's the nine. Uh, we oftentimes call nines the sweethearts of the Enneagram. Uh, nines are these beautiful, easygoing, don't rock the boat, hakuna matata types uh -huh. who, have, who have a deep need to avoid conflict at all costs and to main con maintain connection with with other people. I see. Good. Okay. Um, and you, are you going to fill us in on which one you are? And yeah, sure. I'm a four. You're a four. Okay. Uh huh. One of the individualists. That. That's the rare one, right? We think there are fewer fours than any other number on the enneagram uh, represented in the population, uh, which. Fours just love to hear because they just want to be special and unique. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so I, I imagine if you're 
figure out what people are, then that would enable you to be more persuasive with them. Is that if, if, if um, you're looking? Is that maybe 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 looking at their well? You just you just said fours love to be unique and love to be. So if somebody knew that, not that I'm not that you want to do that in in a, in a negative manner, but it seems like right. maybe maybe a weakness um, could be used against them. Um, yeah, I rarely see that. Um, okay. Okay. But, but I think the, the Enneagram, what it does is it helps us understand and get, in, get inside of someone else's worldview. Um, and well, and, you know, when you were speaking, I was, it, it really seemed to me like, uh, an empathy generator. Like you. Yes. Yes. It, it, it. When, when people first are introduced to the Enneagram, one of the amazing things that happens is compassion wells up, empathy wells up, understanding comes to the surface. People realize, oh my gosh, people see the world differently than I do. I, I, work, with, I work with a lot of corporate CEOs and management teams and I tell them all the time, and this would be true for parents, that one of the most egregious mistakes a person can make is to believe that their way of seeing the world is normal, right? That if the Enneagram is right, there are nine normals, right? Nine normal ways of seeing the world. And uh, when, you, when you begin to see that and understand it, it, it really gives you a tremendous advantage in relationships. It's, uh, you know, there's the recent events with this, this COVID-19 thing has really been for me a, a, an awakening moment as as really starting to understand how people different different think i didn't have a framework to work from maybe this would have helped but um that's been something that's been on my mind a lot because uh it's becoming more and more obvious that people think differently <laughs> so yeah well let me ask you a question uh this it'd be very difficult for you to answer so don't worry if you can't of those nine types which one sounded most like you i am Fairly, not fairly. I am very certain that it's. I'm a five. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Wait, so would you have guessed that? Yeah. You've only known me for a few moments. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I would have, uh, but that's because I'm very experienced, and sure. and uh, uh, I sometimes you can just pick it up watching somebody. It, okay. It, do do uh, so facial expressions, body body motion, body yeah. posture. Yeah. So for example, your face is not as animated uh, as mine is, let's say. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had someone tell you that it's very hard to figure out what you feel. All the time, yeah. Uh, and that you actually are, <clears throat> let me, I'll tell you a few things about fives if you actually, like. Actually, most people get it wrong when they try to figure out what I'm. Yes, yes. Um, so fives, uh, see a world that um, makes demands on them, but doesn't uh, give enough supply, right? And this is, this is particularly true in the area of relationships. So fives find too much human contact depleting, right? Like it's, it's you know, they, in fact, I always tell fives, I mean, this is, I mean, the idea of social distancing is heaven to a five. I mean, you know, it's, you know, uh, they, they typically are very introverted. Uh, they need to spend a lot of time in solitude and privacy. That's where they recharge. Um, 
And they, they really have a lust for knowledge and information, particularly about niche subjects. And um, so, for, actually, two of my best friends are, are fives, and one of them likes to tell me all the time, you know, uh, that he, he describes his face as a blank computer screen sometimes, you know? He just says, and it's very hard to read him. But uh, uh, it doesn't mean that they don't have emotions. It just means, like, for example, with fives, they actually have to think their way to their emotions. They're very cerebral. So uh, if you said you, if you gave me a great compliment that really deeply moved me, I might become tearful right now. A five might take two or three days to process that information before the feeling caught up to them. And even then it might be more muted than it would be for other types. So anyway, I could go on about fives. I'm a big fan of fives, but I was fairly certain you were when you came on. Yeah, so, so what you were just saying about that, that delay. Um, so in general, I was, when I was going through this list and, and looking at it, I recognized a lot of traits in other numbers that I certainly did not have, but have developed as over, over time. Um, one of those, which was not on the list, but what you were just talking about is the feelings. And um, through my Kung Fu, I've been doing Kung Fu for 25, 30 years now, that which makes you more body aware. And when you're body, more body aware, you, you feel your feelings. But mm -hmm. I remember earlier in life when I didn't. And like you said, that, that's absolutely true. And yet, and yet, as children, what people don't know about fives typically is that they're very sensitive. So even though, oftentimes fives or teachers will talk to me about this, that five children often are the children who you, you'll watch them, they tend to observe life rather than participate in it. So in other words, sometimes you'll see them on a playground at the perimeter while kids are running around on swings and slides and doing their thing. The five might be off to the side reading, you know, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia or, you know, a Tolkien fantasy book, or they're just observing what's happening on the playground. Now, eventually they'll get in, but it, they tend to observe and be in, they're just constantly taking in information and analyzing it. Mm -hmm. right. And um, now, so, so that you, so it's clear, everybody contains all nine types. So you will actually uh, resonate with features of all nine types. It's just that it's just that one is dominant. Yeah. One is one is more like you than all the others. And uh, so if it's a five, congratulations, you're uh, you're a wonderful number. Thank you. So, so you know, I was going through, and it was very easy to peg myself with this. But I was trying to figure out my wife, and it was really difficult. Is that is that common to? I mean, I'm no expert in it. I've just been introduced to this, but um, I came up with either a one, six, or eight. And then when you were speaking and going through it, I was like, "Nah, six. It took, but it was. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's um, some numbers are easier to spot than others. <laughs> some people have a harder time. Uh, self-identifying 
uh, and then others do. Um, it took me as a therapist, a trained therapist, 10 months to figure out my type. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I won't go into the whole story of why, because it, it would be long and uh, uh, probably not all that interesting to your listeners. But, you know, the Enneagram uh, is easy to learn and hard to master, you know. Okay. And, and uh, but, uh, you know, when you find out what your number is, you will have this feeling in your gut like someone's been reading my mail. <laughs> someone knows me far better than I ever imagined. And there are lots of people out there just like me. Now, you are a unique expression of a five. There's no other five like you, you know, uh, but you share with all fives uh, just a whole constellation of traits and behaviors, ways of thinking, seeing, feeling, and, and, uh, and behaving in the world. Gotcha. How does this compare to, is it that Myers-Briggs? Is that the name? Yeah. So one of the things, I've, I've worked with Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder, DISC, Colby, Hogan, you name it. I mean, all these personality typing systems. Okay. The reason the Enneagram is my favorite is because it takes into account that the human personality is fluid and dynamic. Like, your personality right now um, is in one mode, but if, you know, if you were on a battlefield somewhere, your personality would change, it would adapt to that situation. In stress, your personality would change, right? When you work with the, and I do, I love all those tests, um, but they tend to be more static. They tend to, to see the human, they, they describe the human personality in a very boxy way. Whereas the Enneagram describes what people are like when they're under stress, when they're feeling secure. Um, so, and it, it, it just gets us, our minds around this idea that uh, our personalities are not fixed. They're, they're always changing. Uh, in the course of a day, you'll move, you might move from healthy to unhealthy in your personality. You know, it's on a continuum. And so you're going to be going up and down as you face different things. And the Enneagram is helpful because it will help. What it does is it helps you predict uh, what might happen or what will happen in different situations so that you can make new choices than the ones you knew before you had that level of self-knowledge that the Enneagram gave you. Right, so is it giving us, so we, we've talked about, mentioned that it, we're able, if we know it, able to spot our more negative traits or the things to watch out. Is it also gonna give us a goal to work, work towards who are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, that's the other thing I love about the Enneagram is that it has, for each type, a transformational growth path, right? Um, so, so for it's you- somewhat laying that out? Through, through the knowledge of the Enneagram? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for example, fives typically have a scarcity mindset. They tend to be minimalists. Um, they uh, tend, they're not hoarders, although some actually are, but they tend to be very concerned about retaining what little they think they have, both in the material and in the interior world, right? This is why they're so private. Um, 
why they tend to be some people will uh, feel like when they're with a five like they're withholding mm-hmm. personal information so for me give an example if you said to me tell me all about your childhood Ian I'm a four on the Enneagram I could jump right in and tell you the most personal things you know what I'm saying I could ask you the same question and you would feel like it was prying sure uh-huh. so it's just different ways of seeing the world. So, uh, you know, I know if I met you and I knew you were a five, for example, I would probably stand a foot further away from you than I would with other types. Yes, that would be appropriate. <laughs> uh, I would know not to tap you on the back or, you know, because fives have uh, a need for boundaries, physical boundaries, right? Right. Um, they don't like people they don't know hugging them out of the blue. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. So, again, nine normal ways of seeing the world, but different. Sure, sure. Okay. So going into like, picking one, how would, um, say, a four work with parenting? Like what would be the things to watch out for and what are the, uh, what are the benefits of being a, a four or Sure. Well, um, at our best, uh, fours are the most empathic number on the Enneagram. Okay. Uh, they are very comfortable. For example, as a therapist, as a person, uh, I'm very comfortable in the presence of difficult feelings, right? Um, as a priest, I don't have a parish anymore. I'm great at funerals. <laughs> Moment, you know what I mean? Like, or in a hospital room, sitting with someone as they're, as they're, as they're dying. You know, f- uh, fours. Um, so with children, gosh, empathy is a, is a huge value, right? Sure. Um, so, but I, I would warn fours about a few things. Um, one is that uh, fours... Um, how would I say this? Uh, fours have to be very careful about taking things personally. They're very sensitive, right? So if a, if a, chi- if a child says to you, if you ask your kid, hey, do you want to go out uh, in the car and grab an ice cream cone? Their kid says no. A four will, might withdraw and say, gosh, I must not be a very good parent. Or, you know, they, they just take things very personally. When actually the kid was just happy where they were, they, you know, uh, that, there was nothing personal about it, right? Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I would say that they, they also need to um, be careful about I- exaggerating their emotional states, right? Fours don't have feelings. They are their feelings, you know? And so they, they have to be careful with their children that they, they have the, they're tapping also into the ability to be good critical thinkers, right? Okay. So now, but they can be great. They're imaginative. They're, they can be very fun um, with their children. So they bring both blessing and blight to it. Now, once you know, and I only just gave you a, just two examples. Sure. Once you know, this information. Like for me, I don't take it personally anymore. Which means, which means that my kids don't feel guilty or ashamed when they tell me I don't want to do that with you. Uh-huh. Because they see my face fall. My face doesn't fall anymore. I'm just able to go, okay. So self-knowledge, which is one of the great gifts of the Enneagram, helps you 
relate to the world in a much more balanced and healthy way. Sure, sure. Yeah, it makes life, the more self-knowledge you get, it just makes life a lot more enjoyable yep. and easier. It certainly yep. does. Um, so what would you, the run the same thing through a five, what would you, what are the positives and negatives in a parenting aspect? Yeah, so a five, um, boy, I've known some great five parents. A lot of fives will tell me that parenting doesn't come naturally to them in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not huggers. You know, they're, um, they need a lot of alone time. And sometimes their distance, their emotional distance, can, can sometimes message to a child a lack of interest in them. And, and so the five has to, I tell fives all the time, intentionally hug your children and tell, you, tell them that you love them every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, do the same with your partner. Um, you know, I think that fives have to learn how to be deeply present in the moment with their child because often they have these big minds and once they get thinking about something else, they can kind of uh, retreat far up into the into their heads, you know, and others will interpret that as aloofness uh, with kids. So, but I mean, fives with kids can be great because number one, they're interesting as heck. They know a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, they can be um, uh, great sources of objective advice giving. You know, like fives, if you give a five the information and say, hey, can you help me with this? Their powers of analysis are unparalleled. Uh -huh. So when a, when a kid comes to you, you will give them the objective truth as you understand it. And generally, it's right. Generally, it's right. Okay, good. I was distracted by You have a husky back there? I have three dogs in my house right now, and I, uh, three children and uh, two of their spouses. So we are all in quarantine together here. It's really something. Yeah, <laughs> they're beautiful. Do you have a smart child who is struggling in school? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you feel like the struggle is holding your child back from their true potential? Maybe the anxiety and worry over your child's future just beats you down every day. You don't have to live that way. Learn how to stop a learning disability from becoming a life disability. A child with a learning disability is stressful for the child and the parent. The disability may be eroding their confidence and shattering their self-esteem. Other people may perceive your child as unintelligent and antisocial. If not addressed and fixed early, the child may develop permanent challenges later in life when looking for a good job or meeting a potential spouse. Our current school system does not know how to properly help our children, but at Learning Success, we do. We've created a system you can easily do at home with your child. And with just 15 minutes per day after school with your child, you can save them from a life of struggle and heartbreak. Learn how to unleash your child's potential and embrace their true intelligence. 
As a special gift for being a loyal podcast listener, we're going to give you a free trial of the Learning Success System. Try it out absolutely free for 15 days. If it is not the perfect fit to help your child succeed in school and in life, just cancel before the trial ends and pay nothing. You even get to keep the free bonuses. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast to get your free trial now. You'll be so happy you did once you see the great grades your child is capable of getting. Imagine being so proud of your child when they bring home a great report card and hand it over with a beaming smile. Get your free trial now at www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast. You've got nothing to lose except the stress and anxiety that is holding you and your child down. I'll see you there. So do, do you have a moment to go over kind of all, all nine as far as in parenting? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so ones make great parents. Think about Atticus Finch and To Kill a Mockingbird. That's sort of the iconic one. Right. Um, they are wise. They're measured. They're attentive. Um, they treat their children when they're in a good space with kindness and respect. Right. Um, but when they're not self-aware, um, ones can become judgmental, critical. They have very high internal standards and they want others to conform to their high internal standards. Uh, a one that's not very self-aware sees the world. Uh, how would I say this? Um, that there's two ways to do things, uh, their way and the wrong way. Right? Uh, so I, always, I tell people, if you want to know if, if you're with a one, just, just do the dishwasher test, which is load the dishwasher and then stand back and see what they do when they open it and look at how you've done it and they just start unloading it and reloading it because they have the right way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe my wife is a one. <laughs> so what I, what, I, what I tell ones all the time is, um, n- number one, like, for example, resist making snap judgments. So, you know, at times, ones who lack self-awareness will reflexively point out their kids' mistakes whenever they do something that doesn't conform to their high internal standards. And over time, this will make their kids feel like failures who can't do anything right in their parents' eyes. All right, so that's a big one. Um, I tell them to celebrate difference and to know that there are more ways to do things than their way. That's a, you know, a, a, a one is really growing up when they, when they can actually say, you know, there's more than just one way to do something. You know, there are other ways to do things. So uh, I think those are important things with, with, our, with our children is, is to create an environment where they don't feel perpetually criticized um, or judged for not doing things perfectly, right? Which means, which means in alignment with that one's view of how that should be done, whatever that thing is. Sure. Okay. And then what are, what are the positive sides of that one then? There. 
Well, you know, uh, there's so many. Um, you know, one, parents are not typically uh, huggers. Uh, they're, 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 but they're people who show up for your life. They make sure that the oil in the car is always filled, that the tires are changed, that the boiler is working in the winter, that the screens are on the windows, you know, uh, in the summer that the kids have a lunch every day with a note in it. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they, they care a lot about the details and about creating a world in which their child is safe and can thrive. And um, I love in and that, as I was mentioning Atticus Finch uh, a moment ago, uh, there's a, a, a great quote in it. Uh, it's at the very end of the book where Scout says, life... Um, with him, life without him was unbearable, you know, and it, it's a, so it's a beautiful testimony to, to ones. They, they bring so much stability and integrity, integrity, integrity. The word was, right. That's the, the word that was coming to mind there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So can you go ahead and tell us about twos? Yeah. Um, twos are the warmest, uh, they're, kindest, most approachable, loving people on the Enneagram when they're healthy. Um, they're highly attuned to the feelings of other people. I often laugh and say that twos know what you're feeling before you do. And they feel a need to meet your needs, actually, whether you want them to or not, you know. Uh, so when they're not in a good space, they can be a little smothering, right, as a for example, as a parent. So I tell par helper parents, you know, number one, they got to set boundaries because when they lack self-awareness, they can become overly permissive and avoid setting boundaries with their kids uh, because they don't want to lose the love, the appreciation and, uh, of, of their children. So they can get a little permissive. Um, they need to resist rescuing children. This happens a lot with uh, Twos who aren't very self-aware. Um, you know, uh, we want our kids to uh, be safe, right? But we don't want to rescue them when they don't do their homework or when they're not doing what they're supposed to. They just, they just need to deal with reality while we create a safe container for that to happen in. Um, so unless you want a kid living at home at 35, it's really uh, a good thing to... Uh, as a two to allow them to meet reality as it is without rescuing them. All right. So that's, I'm only giving you, of course, you know, a couple you know, little tidbits here of things I would say. Um, so threes are performers, achievers. Um, so boy, I don't know if you've ever read the book, getting things done by David Allen. I haven't read. Uh, okay. no, no. Okay. So, these are the kinds of things that threes read. They're productivity hounds. They, they are ambitious. They have a lot of trouble not working. Um, they have a need to really uh, succeed. And so they're tip they often are workaholics, type A personalities. So what I tell them is, number one, practice intentional listening. Um, three parents can sometimes uh, be talking to their child while in their mind be putting together a business plan, you, you know, because they, they're just multitasking all the time, you know, 
And of course, the kids are smart. You know, they know when they don't have the full attention of their parent. Right. Uh, right. So another one w- would be um, to let their kids accomplish their tasks in their own way. Sometimes a three will step in to tell their kids how they can complete a task more efficiently. They're very concerned with efficiencies. How can I get something done as fast as possible? So if they see a kid doing something that's going to take longer than it should, they'll jump right in and say, well, you know, if you do it this way and do it that way, you'll get it done. You'll be more productive and you'll get it done faster. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so I, threes just have to be reminded that not everybody values efficiency as much as they do. Okay. You know? We can jump to six. So um, reliable, loyal, down to earth, practical, well-prepared, funny as heck, uh, detail-oriented. Sixes are great parents when they're, uh, when they're self-aware, when they really know themselves. Um, when they don't know themselves, um, boy, they can become self-doubting, uh, alarmist, procrastinating, and they can start hovering over their kids' lives out of fear for their safety and well-being right? So I tell six parents all the time, remember, number one, fear is contagious, right? Anxiety is contagious. So it's important for loyalist parents uh, to rein in their, their anxiety to prevent it from spreading to their kids in an unhelpful way, right? Um, that would be one thing. Um, I would say, too, avoid making too many rules. Um, loyalists can become too dutiful and bound by rules. And sooner or later, imposing too many household codes and protocols will eventually anger your kids and move them to probably mutiny against the captain, you know? Uh, So, uh, but they're great, great parents. And, And I'll give you one last one. Resist the temptation to catastrophize. Um, Sixes see catastrophe everywhere. They, they have this vague feeling of apprehension about perceived threats all the time, you know. And um, so you, you want to make sure that you're not always catastrophizing because it sets your kids up to see a world that's hostile, right? Um, that's dangerous and where they can't live without mom and dad's protection. So we, we don't want to create a catastrophe mindset for our children. We don't want them to be pessimists, right? Right. Okay. Then uh, we can jump to seven. Well, I mean, who would want to have a seven parent, the enthusiast? Um, gosh, they're fun, spontaneous, imaginative, uh, creative, energetic, optimistic people. If, if sixes deal with their anxiety through pessimism, Sevens do it through optimism. Okay. Right? They are eternally sunny people, right? I oftentimes, though, tell uh, seven parents that they need to learn how to be reliable. So enthusiast, enthusiast parents are a blast, but they have racy minds. They're easily distracted, and they tend to overcommit, uh, which can lead them to lose track of the time and unintentionally not follow through on promises that they made in the glow of the moment or, you know, arrive 20 minutes late to pick the kids up at school because they were off, you know, doing something else and not paying attention. So they need to learn how to be reliable. Kids need to know that, that you, they can depend on you. Um, 
more than any other, any other number, sevens have trouble staying in the present moment. So um, I'm telling them all the time, be mindful of the moment. Stay. You know, it's a, a seven is a little bit like a puppy on a leash, you know? Uh-huh. It, it wants to ramble all over the place and you have to keep going, stay, stay, <laughs> stay focused, stay focused because their attention uh, tends to migrate all the time to whatever is most interesting around them, right? And they're always thinking about the future and not staying in the present moment, right? And then lastly, they just have to accept the fact that with their children, they have to be the authority. Uh, usually they like to, to flatten hierarchies because they don't want to be the bad cop. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah. Because, because being the bad cop makes you have to feel bad feelings, which is what sevens don't want to feel. Right? So I, I just tell them, hey, like it or not, you, you have to be the authority because at the end of the day, kids don't want to live in a world without rules. No, they don't. Uh, you know, uh, it makes them anxious. Uh, you know, a game of soccer is not that much fun when there are no cones or lines on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just chaos. But when you put the lines and the cones down, they know where the boundaries are. Now everybody can have a great game. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I, I'm always encouraging sevens to do. Got it. Yeah, as, as martial arts teachers, that was one of the fundamental things that kids really loved the regimented the, the rule sets and knowing what those rules are gave them a lot of confidence and, and sense of security. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, eight parents. I was raised by a mother who was an eight. Okay. Uh, they are blunt, larger than life presences. You know, uh, they can be confrontational. Uh, they're very comfortable with conflict they're straight shooters you know they uh they're just straight up forces of nature you know um and um but they can also be intimidating to people right uh five a five for example would find an eight oftentimes their energy overwhelming um because they're they're so aggressive sometimes and uh assertive and um, but tremendous parents because they're very protective. Um, they teach kids how to live in the world with confidence, you know. Yeah. And and, and uh, makes it great. But they uh, eights can have a temper that they really have to watch out for. They struggle with anger, right? Sure. So I tell eights all the time: learn how to respond, not react to your children. Practice a pause. Count to 10 before you respond. Because oftentimes they, they are very quick to, uh, and rush to say things. And it's, they're a little bit more like steamrollers than diplomats, you know. So you, they just have to be careful of that. Um, they got to dial back their energy sometimes because it can be too much for their kids. And they have to learn how to apologize to their children because sometimes uh, an eight thinks an apology is a sign of weakness rather than vulnerability. They confuse weakness and vulnerability. Okay. So it's important for them to learn how to be vulnerable enough to um, really just apologize to their children when they need to. And uh, again, they can be great, great parents. I see. Good. And then nine seems very different from eights then. The opposite end of that? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm married to a nine. Okay. I'm the father of a daughter who is a nine. They really are the sweethearts of the Enneagram. Um, they are, when they're self-aware, they're the most easygoing, um, warm, don't rock the boat. They, 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 they know how to keep the peace in the family, you know? And, and they're so good at it. They can mediate arguments between children like nobody's business. They can bring everybody to the middle, which is why we call them the peacemakers, you know? Our best presidents, I think, in the United States have all been nines, you know, uh, because they're very good at seeing the, through, uh, everybody's perspective and the merits of everybody's perspective and able to bring them to the table and figure out how do we reconcile all these perspectives. Right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a real good thing with children. If you've got a house full of kids, that's a good gift, you know. Um, they too, like twos, they need to avoid being too permissive with their kids. Nines are really afraid of conflict. And so to avoid conflict, sometimes they'll let their kids get away with more than they should, right? They need to build healthy boundaries. Um, it's hard for nines to say no. Um, and I, so I tell parents all the time who are nines, remember, remember that saying no or I can't do that for you does not equate to I don't love you, right? Uh, so again, make, make all of these types when they're healthy, when they're self-aware, when they know their blind spots, make incredible parents. They're, I mean, they're just amazing. But when they lack self-awareness and self-knowledge, the more self-awareness and self-knowledge they lack, the worse it gets. Okay. You know? They're on autopilot. They're in reactivity. They're just operating out of their personality, and that usually looks like someone banging guardrail to guardrail through people's lives, and it, it just doesn't work. Sure. Is, is the Enneagram in general a good tool for becoming more self-aware? Yes, I would say it's the best one I know. Um, and, and I would define self-awareness as the ability to monitor and regulate your thoughts, feelings, and actions in real time as you're, as you're interacting with the world, right? Sure. It's the ability to see the effect your personality is having on another person or group. Okay. And being able to make adjustments so that... Um, the best outcome will come to pass. Yes, I see. So I, I can see that if you knew the numbers of the people around you, that you could think very quickly, and, and if they're doing a certain thing that may cut conflict, you, you could understand that very quickly. But are there is the other, the other side of that? Are there downfalls of kind of pigeonholing people into this? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to say about the Enneagram is that the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It, it actually tells you about the box you're already in and how to get out of it. Um, okay. You know, uh, everybody is in a box of their own personality. That's just a fact. You know what I mean? Like we, we come in, you, you came in the five box. I came in the four box. What, what, what the Enneagram does is say, hey, look, this is what the box is, 
And here's how you can get out of the self-defeating, self-limiting ways of thinking, acting, and feeling that have followed you throughout your life. They, they, they may have worked for you as a little kid to help you get your needs met, but in adulthood, they begin to work against you. Uh-huh. Gotcha. So uh, the, with the, the path then, once you see those qualities, would be moving towards the positive qualities within that box or more out to other, other boxes? Well, I think... Um, as, a, as an initial path. Yeah. So I think the, the path is different from every, for everybody, but it begins with, you know, uh, acquiring self-knowledge, right? So you study your type, right? The next step would be self-observation. The ability, and you would be great at this as a five, the ability to step back and observe yourself compassionately in a non-evaluative way. Sure. And just observe, what am I doing right now? How am I thinking, acting, and feeling in this moment? What story am I telling myself in, about what's happening right now? And when you have that kind of self-knowledge, you then can say, you know, before I had self-knowledge, I would have reacted this way in this situation. I would have said this. I would have thought this. I would have, you know, done this. Now I don't have to do that because I know that's just an old pattern. It's an old way of being in the world. I now have new choices because I know my type and uh, I've been working on myself to develop new ways of being in the world. Okay, great. So tell us about, you have a parenting series going on right now. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so actually I just finished a series of uh, nine YouTube uh, videos. We first release them on Instagram and then they go on to my YouTube channel. Um, and um, it covers a lot of this material, but particularly through the lens of how to parent well in a time of crisis like the one we're in right now. So that's the, the sort of the twist on, on the series, you know? Um, and uh, it's been, been really wildly successful. I was very surprised at, at how many people wanted to know, how do I parent in quarantine? And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity really to develop self-knowledge and work on becoming your best self. Okay, and that's on YouTube? That's on YouTube. Okay, mm -hmm. so we'll put the link to that below so make sure that people can get to that right it's called any yeah it's called enneagram and stress stressful especially kids with parents now being their teachers and things like that they're under a lot of stress so children being stressed you know they're 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 probably not understanding what's going on and now their their parents are their teachers and they're they're of course at home more all, all the time um People tending, of course, to drive to dive into their their lower selves in these personalities, or are they. Yeah, um, yes. Uh, you know, your personality under stress will change. Um, so, for example, when you're in, this is what the Enneagram will teach you. We, we didn't have time to talk about security and stress. You're a five. When you're in a really great place, you start to look like a healthy eight. It's like one of the biggest jumps on the Enneagram. A five will suddenly, that's typically kind of withdrawn, observe, you know, you have the most powerful, powerful skill of observation. It's unbelievable. You don't miss a thing. 
but suddenly they become uh, animated and big and uh, just excited and larger than life in a way that they are not normally, right? When they're in right. a good space. But when you're not in a good space, you start to look like an unhealthy seven. And you start to get racy mind, uh, your thoughts, your zillions of thoughts and ideas start to come out and not always in a way that's very coherent. Uh -huh. um, you have trouble focusing, which is unusual for you when that happens. And you have trouble staying in the present moment. So the Enneagram actually will tell you this is what you'll look like when things are going great. Here's what you're going to look like when things are going south. And you can catch yourself, once you have that knowledge, you can catch yourself before you go all the way, you know, before you spiral all the way out. Okay. And so then at that point, maybe use a, a mind-body technique or something to, to bring yourself out, or, or just the self-awareness yeah. itself. Totally. The self-awareness is, is really the, the, the first start. It, the Enneagram breeds freedom to make other choices. When you're not on the autopilot, which is what most people are, all day, all day long, they're just running on autopilot. Sure, sure, right. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I mentioned I, I have about 30 years of Kung Fu under my belt and that, so the eight is the uh, commanding, intense, confrontational. Um, that's me when I'm on the mat. <laughs> I'm you know, it's an awesome thing for an eight to do. One of the things I'm always telling eights is you have to get back in your body. You are not a brain on a stick. Uh -huh. And so eights tend, uh, there's a character in one of James uh, Joyce's books, and he describes him this way. Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and, and sometimes you'll be talking to a five who's not very, like, like I can remember being in an emergency room with one of my kids getting stitches or something, and we were worried about a head injury. And this doctor came out, the surgeon came out, and he's, he looked at us and, and with the most blank expression, just began giving us all this medical report, none of which we could understand. We're upset. He wasn't attuned at all to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and I felt to myself, is he even inside his own body? Because he seems like his brain is over here looking at the conversation, watching it, but not actually in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh -huh. So so I say, I tell fives all the time, they should do yoga. They should um, do things like what you're doing. I've never thought about martial arts, but what a great thing for, for fives to do. Also because it, it helps you um, uh, energize in a way that fives don't typically energize. You yeah. know, yeah. Fives, fives usually run on a lower temp, you know. And, and so to get it hot and high, and also to be uh, in a, a social context where you're dealing with people is really important for fives. Otherwise, they'll spend their whole day trawling the internet, just gathering information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, my students who only see that other side, that on the mat, they, they absolutely do not believe that I'm an introvert. They, cannot convince them of it because they only yeah. see they only see that that other side of me so so i would say that's part of your work and you're doing it well okay good. And, and and so and another so another thing you might consider is beginning to see a world of abundance versus scarcity yes 
which is which is part of the journey for fives. Um, yeah, which is something I've been working on, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, for yeah. some time. Yeah. So, so again, this is uh, the spiritual journey, if if you will. And I, when I say spiritual, I mean that self-actualizing, self-discovery of meaning in life to become the highest expression of your of your not just your personality but of your soul of yourself this is this is what it's about yeah it really seems so so um i know you mentioned your your book can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i wrote a book called the road back to you an enneagram journey to self-discovery and it's a wonderful i have to say wonderful because uh the book has now sold about 600,000 copies, and, and it's, it, it has, not because I'm a genius writer, but because it's a primer on the Enneagram. Most books on the Enneagram are very dense, uh, very long, and very dry. Content-rich, wonderful material. But, but I wrote a book that would help a layperson who didn't want to quit their day job to study the Enneagram. I, I wrote a book that was accessible and easy to learn from, right? Right. Um, so that's uh, the road back to you an enneagram journey to to self discovery. Mm-hmm. I see. How to to really get the benefits out of this? How how deep does a person need to? I mean, where where's the? Is there a point of diminishing return, or is it just get? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Another thing I love about the enneagram is that you you could just read my introduction to the enneagram book and get enough out of it that you could move the needle in a meaningful way in your life and then never have to read another Enneagram book. Or it could be a gateway drug to the, you know, millions of other books on the Enneagram that are five or 600 pages and tend to be a little clinical, you know? So, um, you know, you can know a little bit about the Enneagram and get a lot of benefit. That's the cool thing about it. Great. Okay, good. And so I'm sure people are going to want to know what their own numbers are. And so how do they, how do they do, do that? Well, um, they can actually, if they could actually go to my website, Ian Morgan Cron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. And they'll see a tab for my Enneagram assessment, which is called the IEQ-9. And I think it's the most accurate self-report assessment for the Enneagram that's uh, available. Um, read my book. I mean, seriously, a lot of times people can just read my book and like you just reading a couple of sentences, they're like, I got it. I don't have to take a test. I could, I just know right away, you know, or, or get to a workshop, you know, and, um, I, I have courses that are, are running and people can learn about that. They can, I have a course called Enneagram Made Simple. Um, and so they can, that also is on my website. And they can listen to my um, podcast, Typology. Um, we, just this month, we celebrated 10 million downloads. And what we do is we, we bring people in of different types to talk about their own experience as that type. Because think about it. Today, I just described other types for you, but they are so much better than I am at describing how they move through the world, right? So that's that's a narrative, it's called a narrative way of learning. So do one or do all. Um, You won't be disappointed at the results uh, for your life. Yeah, yeah. So if they were to take the assessment, what what information is that gonna pump out for them? Is that gonna give, is that just 
here's your number or no. Okay. no there's there's two tests one is a standard test uh that gives a 22 page report uh it tells you a great deal about your type and who you are uh, and then there's a pro level, which is about a 40-page report um, that has a lot more information in it. And uh, but both are great. Both are great. Interesting. Is there anything we haven't covered that's important to? I don't know, Phil. But I'm so glad I had a chance to talk to a five. There's some of my there's there are some of my favorite people in the world. I I'll tell you why. I think that fives are often, particularly in relationships the most misunderstood number on the Enneagram. Okay, yeah. Uh, and that is particularly true in relationships. Sure. Um, uh, fours are maybe the most mysterious, um, but fives are the most misunderstood. And so are eights, because eights usually have a very tender heart behind all of that aggression. Um, and people don't often see it because it's so well defended and masked. But when it comes out, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, great. Well, we will put um, all of the links to every everything we've talked about here below the podcast, so people can get their assessment and and your parenting course you're doing and book all of that. So, thank you very much for coming on. This is really intriguing to me, and I'm personally going to follow up and read your book and and do much more with this. Thank you for listening to the Learning Success Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you have learned something useful, something that you can take back and improve your life with today. If you would like to say thank you, the best way for you to do that is to share this podcast with a friend. Help us help others along this journey. And if you haven't already, please rate and comment on the podcast. Every rating helps us and helps this podcast get out to more people. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. Thank you again and make today a great day. No one should have to live with a learning difficulty.